so good to be with y'all. My name is Kenneth, your brother Kenneth. I love you guys very much. Um, one, one of, first of all, I just want to thank Pastor John and Sister Marva. I don't know if you guys are listening, but pass the word on. If they're not, everyone tell them. Kenneth said thank you to them so much for, for allowing me to be up here. Uh, it's always um, an honor and a privilege to speak to God's people. One of my earliest memories, uh, man, must have been four or five-ish. Uh, I say one of my earliest memories, an early memory, uh, was running around my grandma's house in, in Mathis, Texas, and was just singing. I don't know where I heard it from or where I got it from, but uh, remember that old song, um, When the Saints Go Marching In? Was it a hymn, right? Yeah, and I remember just singing it, kind of just going down the halls and just singing that song. And so uh, I just wanted to be part of that group. Right? I wanted it to be counted with those people. And here, here we are, right? The saints, the called out ones of God, right? That's what you guys are. Um, it's, just, it's just an honor to, uh, have you guys ever been like at Whataburger or uh, any, any place really where like um, a bus comes in with like the football team or the baseball team, right? Your first thought is, oh, no, <laughs> right? But then you just kind of walk in and you see all the uniforms. They all look the same. They're, you know, they smell a certain way. They look a certain way. Uniforms are all the same. Right? Just imagine getting to go to a place where all of God's people are. Right? That's, that's where we're at. Right? We know God has people all over. Right? But at this particular congregation, that's what we do when we come and gather together. We are, we're with each other. Right? We're with the body. All right. So let's... Uh, um, this morning, Alex, uh, our brother Alex Callahan, uh, said he had seven pages of notes, right? He had seven pages of notes, and he said he was aware that he was not going to get uh, through them all, right? There, I think there's wisdom there. Well, I have 15 pages, and I think I'm going to get through them all, right? Um, pastor, said, pastor said that if we're not going to believe God for the impossible, then what are we doing? All right, so 15 pages of notes. Here we go. <laughs> All right, so the title of the message is A Settled uh, Place in Christ. A Settled Place in Christ. Um, we have a settled place in Christ. I'd like to just give a, a quick um, kind of summary run through real quick just to kind of get to this particular place where I'm going to start the scripture. Um, the Garden of Eden. Everyone's aware there. Adam and Eve were given a a commandment. Really, there was only one. It was to not eat of this particular tree. And then we know the story that uh, Adam was deceived. The serpent came in saying things that God had not said. And uh, Eve was deceived, but Adam disobeyed. Scripture is clear in that. Uh, Eve was deceived, but Adam disobeyed. And so there we, we, we find the curse that gets put on man and, and woman, right, on mankind there. Uh, they were kicked out, and, you know, just sin kind of took, took root, took a hold. And we were all there, right? We, we were all in Adam, right? So I know sometimes we like to put the, the man, it was crazy. Why did they do that? I wouldn't have done that. You would have, right? You would have. You would have done it. I was going to say something else, but I won't say it. All right, so then we fast forward a little bit, and then there's judgment that, that comes across the earth, right? Remember Noah, right? Noah is set apart. He's, he's placed inside of the ark, right? He's rescued. He's saved. Who is that picture? Like what, what is that picture of the ark? 
Jesus, right? So he's, uh, him and his family, those that belong to him, were placed inside this ark where they were safe. Right? So the title of the message is A Settled Place in Christ. They were safe inside this ark. God's showing this picture. He saved uh, Noah. He saved his family. Fast forward a little bit. God, God calls this man Abraham, right? He's called the father of faith, right? Uh, God gives him a promise that he's going to establish him. Uh, and his descendants, he's going to make them this grand nation. They're going to be the people of God, right? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? Isaac, Abraham's son, Jacob is Isaac's son. And then Jacob has these 12 children who become the 12 children of Israel, who they are going to be the people of God, right? This nation of Israel. The 12, remember, God changed Jacob's name to Israel, right? So that's why it's 12 tribes of Israel. And then they go into Egypt, and they're in bondage. And then God sends them uh, a deliverer named Moses who rescues them out from this Egypt, right? This type, this shadow, this picture of the world, right? This, this sin place, this wicked place, this place where God's will is not being done in a manifest way, right? So God delivers them. He pulls them out of this place, and then they're taken to the wilderness. And so that's... God speaking to Moses, right? Fast forward a little bit. God speaks to Moses on the, on the mountain. He gives them the law, gives them all these statutes and all these ways, and that's where we find ourselves right here. So I'm in Leviticus chapter 10, uh, verses 1 through 3. Uh, it says, The profane fire of Nabad and Abihu. It says, Then Nabad and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it. They put incense on it and offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them. And they died before the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. And before all the people, I must be glorified. Then the Lord spoke to Aaron, saying, Do not drink wine or intoxicating drink, nor you nor your sons with you. And when you go into the tabernacle of meeting, lest you die, it shall be a statue forever throughout your generations that you may distinguish yourself between the holy, that you may distinguish between holy and unholy and between unclean and clean, that you may teach the children of Israel all the statutes which the Lord has spoken to them by the hand of Moses. It's absolutely clear in Scripture that God's intends for his people to be different. Right. So in, in, in this story, right, they they went and did their own thing. And they were consumed. So Leviticus, fast forward a little bit, Leviticus 16, chapter, Leviticus 16, verses 1 and 2, it says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of his two sons of Aaron, when they offered profane fire, talking about the same incident before the Lord, and died. That the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron your brother not to come at just any time into the holy place, inside the veil, before the mercy seat which is on the ark, lest he die. For I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. Did y'all get that? It says, tell Aaron, your brother, not to come at just any time into the holy place inside the veil, lest he die. For I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. Then there goes on to be these, this beautiful uh, instruction. And there's some just beautiful imagery about the day of atonement. Um, but what we see here, what I want you to see here, is that there must be atonement. Without the shedding of sin, there's no forgiveness of sins. And not just anyone has access to this place. right? So you think of all the children of Israel, the people of God, not just anyone could have gone into that special place behind the veil. 
Y'all see that? Like that was, there was a veil there and only these certain priests could go in and only at a certain time and they had to do it a certain way. So there's, there's so much to see here, but what I really want us to examine closely here is the veil. I want us to examine the veil. Um, I'm, I'm so grateful and thankful. Uh, this wasn't in my notes, but uh, this house, the leadership here, right, the elders here, the, the father of this house, Pastor Don, Sister Marva. I, I'm so grateful for the upbringing and the training that I've received here. Of, of that there's not a lot of things to talk about. There really is nothing else worth talking about except Jesus. So it's like when you come up here to talk about, like we, we all come from different places. We're different age, boys, girls. You like certain sports teams. You don't like sports. You like cooking. You like you know, sewing. You like whatever it is you like, right? You're, you like history. All different things. But you know what we have in common? Jesus, right? So what else is there to talk about? Man. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. I'd like to read now uh, here Matthew 27. Uh, it's a lot of scriptures. They're good. They're good for us. Now the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness all over the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. I don't know if I did that right. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood there when they heard that, said, this man is calling for Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with sour wine and poured it on the reed and offered it to him to drink. The rest said, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come and save him. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth quaked and the rocks were split and the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And, the, and coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So when the centurion and those who were with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly and said, truly this was the Son of God. I want us to focus in there. It said, when, when it said, Jesus cried out again, and with a loud voice he yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. There's, there's so much to see here at the cross. There's so much to see there at the cross for us, right? The cross, the cross is the place where everything changed for us, right? To, those, to the believer, to the unbeliever, there's always a standing invitation, right? That is the heart of God. If you're in this place and you have not been born again, you have not cried out to the Lord, there's always a standing invitation to cry out to Him, and it says that He will hear you and He will save you, right, if you believe on Him. But to those of us who have been born again, who are saved, uh, there's so much to see there. Our cross is where everything changed for us. I want you to see here, I want us to see here, that this veil was torn, right, like nobody tore it. Who, who tore it? God tore it, right? Like nobody went and said, you know what, this makes sense, right? Now I see how this meant this, so let's go and help God out and tore it. God himself in that moment, he tore the separation. So Jesus, hanging there on the cross, right, was separated Right from the Father, and you know, for all of eternity, it had never that had never happened. Right, they were in just per, per, perfect communion and fellowship and oneness. And there's now this separation, right? And at the same instant, that veil 
that was our separation is removed. <laughs> right? That's, that's who you guys are, right? That's why you guys are something is because God has, God has done something for you, right? God has brought you from where you are, where you were, and he has conveyed you to this other place, right? Where the veil was removed. Let's, let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. I'd like to say that the dispute for you has already been settled by Jesus. Right? Every, every born-again believer, right? Um, no matter how long you've been walking with the Lord, no matter what Satan should try to tell you or the world try to inform you, right? The, the, the dispute for you has been settled already. Y'all, y'all see that? Right? Your, your adjudication, right? There was a dispute of where you were destined to be. Right? And on the cross, there was adjudication there, right? Adjudication meaning there was a formal judgment on the disputed matter. That's, that's exciting. I'm sweating. I'm so excited, right? Let's read Hebrews. Let's read some scripture. Scripture is good. It's good for us. It says, And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he had perfected for those, he had perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit ought no witnesses to us. For after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds, and I will, into their minds, and I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. For where there is remission of sins, there is no longer an offering for sin. For, for all of us, you know, before the cross... Right before we get to that point where we believe on his finished work, where we look to that man and believe on him, right? Our, our future isn't grim, right? It's not like, well, right? If we really could see the reality of it, there's condemnation, right? There is, it's a damned state, right? Like we are, we are, there is damnation that is in the future for us, period. Right? No matter what, that's what our future is. And then at the cross, it changes. The cross offers every man and woman a place, a seat, a father, a friend, a family with God. Jesus, Jesus isn't just an escort to God. While, while he is an escort. Right? You, you will be escorted by him. But he's not just an escort. He's not just the payment. He is the payment. He's not just the payment, though. He's the only way. It's, 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 there's a one-way trip, and there's only way to get there. There's only one way to get there. There's only one way to get there, and that's inside of him. Psalm 2 tells us, Psalm 2.12, I love this scripture. It says, kiss the son 
lest he be angry and you perish in the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, and then it says here, listen to this part. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. Our, our trust is in him. There is a settled place in Christ. Right? The dispute for you has been settled inside of him. Thank you, Jesus. And there's so many good scriptures. Um, God, God really is doing something, I believe, right now in, in the spiritual realm here where the pastor has said it. He's prophesied. These scriptures are becoming alive like never before. So I'd like to encourage all of us, myself included, that we would just continue to dive into them more and more. Because I, I believe God is just bringing forth these truths in, in a just a different way in this day that we found us, ourselves in. I'd like to read in 2 Corinthians. Um, maybe I'll just explain. Uh, go over this one a little bit. So it's it's talking here about it says, but if this many of this ministry of death, this is in Second Corinthians chapter three. But if this ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, it says, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? So what he's talking about here is when Moses went up. Uh, to speak with God, to be before, to be before God. When that's a different picture for a different message there with Moses with the Father. But when he comes down to the children of Israel, right, uh, he has a veil on his face because he he was before the Lord in a way that his face says was shining with the glory of God. Right. So Scripture is saying here, if this veil, right, he he had this glory that was fading, you know. He was under a different covenant than we are. It was fading. There's this veil. It says, how much more is this new covenant doing something for us that as we stand before the Lord with a veil? No. Unveiled. Right? You get to stand and sit before Jesus Christ. Right? The the Son of God, the Son of Heaven, the treasure of Heaven with an unveiled face. Right? If, if Moses' glory did that, I mean, if God's glory did that to Moses, right, how much more does with an unveiled face, you standing before the Lord, before Jesus Christ, how much is that glory embedded in you? Right? It just penetrates you, right? permeates you. Y'all see that? Right? How much more is that glory? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Jesus takes away the separation from God. It's by him and his death, his burial and resurrection. This, this salvation that God has orchestrated for us, that he's invited us into, that he has placed us in is amazing. It truly is. It's absolutely amazing and unbelievable what God has done for the believer. And that's you. Right? Like that's not even somebody else. That's you. That's, what, that's who you are. skip down a little bit uh, Hebrews 9 I, says then indeed you just God God explains himself so well you know you just read the scriptures and you just you 
just opens it up to you. It says, then indeed, even if the first covenant had ordinances of divine service and earthly sanctuary, for a tabernacle was prepared in the first part, in which was a lampstand, a table, and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. Watch this. It says, and behind the second veil, the part of the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid on all sides with gold, in which was the golden pot and and had the manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the, ta- the tablets of the covenant. And above it were the cherub of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot now speak in detail. It would be good if we could just sit down and talk about all that for a while. It says, Now when these things had been thus prepared, the priest always went into the first part of the tabernacle performing these services. But into the second part of the into the second part, the high priest went alone once a year, not without blood, which he had offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance. And the Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiest of all had not yet been made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. The first tab- tabernacle, this special place, this holiest of all place, the holy of holies behind the second veil. There was, there was no way for you to get there. You see that? Even the children of Israel, they could not get to that place. There was only the high priest who went once a year. It says, but this new covenant, this new covenant, we have a meeting place with God. And there's access to the holiest of all by the holiest of all. You get that? You have access to God through Jesus, right? And where is this this new tabernacle at? I think there's one version that I just grew up hearing. It was saying your belly, right? In the core, in the hollow of man, right? In this this place, not not the organ heart, right? In In the seed of man, there is this place where we can meet with God. This access, free access, whenever you want. I'd like to read uh, Proverbs 18, verse 10. It says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. The rich man's wealth is his strong city and like a high wall in his own esteem. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run to it, and they're safe. The dispute for you has already been settled by Jesus. The dispute for you, right? Not not the things that trouble you, right? Not, not talking about that stuff. I'm talking about you, right? You, what makes you, you, right? Your, your soul, your spirit, right? The dispute for that has already been settled. For everybody that believes and call upon his name. And I have, I have a bunch of scriptures. <laughs> I'd like to read, skip down a little bit. I think this, uh, I believe it was actually Dr. Loyal that brought this one up. It's in Luke twelve twenty two. This is who you are in Jesus. This is what he's done for you. 
It says, then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life and what you will eat, nor about the body and what you will put on. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. How much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? If you then are not able to do the least, then why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And this is part I really want you guys to see. If then God so clothes the grass. Do, do, does, the, does the grass have shirts and pants? No. He's not talking about clothing here. Right? He said, if God so clothes the grass, right, he's placed something on them. You get it? You, you see something when you see grass. Right? God has clothed them. He says, consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Do you know what you're clothed in? As, as a believer, right, a, a born-again follower of Jesus Christ, God has clothed you with his Son. Not, it's not talking about shirts and that type of stuff, right? You have, you have, he does that. He does provide for us. He clothes you, right, with the finished work of his son. Right? You are in him and he is in you. What does God see when he looks at you? He sees his son. like to share just a, a real quick story. This is a uh, it, it might seem a little bit disjointed here, but I believe the Holy Spirit's going to connect it. Um, just didn't get to all the scriptures that kind of work it out. Um, I'd like to say first and then and then I'll, I'll read this last scripture. Uh, be real quick. So a couple of weeks ago, I was at the park with my daughter Ellison and, and Eli, and uh, the new new little parts structure they had built. And there there was these older kids that were being a little rough, a little mean. Right? They're playing, but they're, they're still being what they what they are. They're being a little rough and a little mean. And so Ellison comes and tells me, she says, "You should go get Eli." I'm paraphrasing. Like, you should go get Eli. Because those kids were being mean earlier. What were they doing? They were they were pushing him. They were trying to get him off the slide. So I said, well, let's go over there. <laughs> right? Why? That's my son, right? And so I, I head over there and sure and just watching. And sure enough, these kids grab Eli. Eli's just a little little old thing, right? Light old thing. And they grab him and they kind of push him off to the side and Eli just a little, you know, start. I say, Hey, right? I said, don't touch that baby, right? You're not, I don't, I'm not mean to, I'm not going to bully these little kids, but, man, don't, don't, uh, don't touch that baby. That's, that's my baby, 
right? Don't you touch that baby, right? So my, my fatherly response towards a two-year-old would be different if he were four or six or eight, right? The lessons change as you get older. But this two-year-old baby, right, my eye is on him, right? He is under my concern and care, right? So no matter how old we are in the Lord, it's the same towards you, right? God's, God's eye is on you, right? That's why there's this settled place for you, for the believer. I'm going to read this scripture, and I believe God is going to, going to tie it in of, of my heart in it. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17. It's a tough one. It says, For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as a faithful creator. This is, this is talking to, right? this is Peter talking to the, the New Testament believer. Right? This is not here in the Old Testament where we got to kind of look deeper at the pictures. This, is, this says, for the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. This is a serious day that we found ourselves in. And, and I believe that what we need in this day, this serious day where there's judgment beginning in the house of God first, right? We, we need to know what Jesus has done for us, who we are in him, and we need to know where we can go and hide. We need to where we can. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for who you are and all that you've done, for there is no one like you. For you are great and you do marvelous things. Lord, we, we look at the scripture and we see just these beautiful stories and pictures and imagery that are meant to lead us to your son because there we find everything you want to tell us. We see your love, we see your mercy, and we see your grace. We see your plan for us, the invitation for us, the calling for us, the calling on us. We see everything we need for life and godliness when we look at your son. So we thank you so much for him. We pray that you would just continue to teach your people, myself included, Lord, how much you've done for us, who you are for us, and the greatness, the greatness that you are. Father, we we love you and we thank you. We just bless your name in Jesus' name.